Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 213. Hope you had a wonderful weekend and thank you so much for joining us on this Monday. We have a really exciting episode for you guys, but we wanted to do a quick recap of last week in case you missed any episodes. We had Vincent Vision last Monday, really wonderful YouTube channel. Wednesday, we did part one of Haunted Mansion of our storytelling series, which infers that part two is coming this week. So that'll be this Wednesday's episode. And then on Friday, we did our two month update on what it's like been living in Orlando for this period of time. So if you missed any of those after this, we'd love it if you go back and check those out and hope you enjoy those. But our episode today is with Lauren, who runs Lauren Builds, a really wonderful 3D print shop making ears, but also other 3D printed products as well. We talk a lot about how do you follow that passion? How do you embrace your Disney side and how do you find that creative outlet? So I think there's a lot of little nuggets that'll be useful for you guys. So without further ado, we're going to turn it over to Lauren. She's going to introduce herself and tell us one random fact that we may not know about her from social media. Hope you enjoy. All right. So I, yes, I'm Lauren from Lauren Builds. That's Lauren and then B-U-I-L-D-S. Um, and so I've been 3D printing since 2017 and have had my shop for several years now. Um, and I really love doing it and I'm happy to share it here. Um, a random fact that you might not know about me from social media um, is that any of the kind of big trips that my husband and I go on are totally funded by airline points and credit card points and miles. Um, our trip earlier this year to Tokyo, where we traveled for two and a half weeks, was all done on points and miles. Uh, we usually go on one big international trip every year. And we really... It's its our other hobby um, that we really focus on to make sure that we can see the world and have lots of great experiences and go do all those things that most people say they always want to do, but kind of never really get around to accomplishing. I had forgotten that we've had conversations about this <laughs> in the past because we are fairly new to the credit card points game as well. Do you have like one or two go-to resources that you look to? I am a one mile at a time.com guy. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, if you have like one resource that you look to, to try to capitalize on all that. Uh, so I try to just really focus on being as resourceful as I can. So I don't focus on one blog necessarily, and I'm not particularly super loyal to one credit card. Uh, what I do recommend is that you really figure out the first thing that you should do is figure out where you want to go. So if you want to go to Tokyo Disney, you want to go to Disneyland, you want to go to Orlando, you want to go to Europe and have a stop by uh Tokyo, Paris, I mean, <laughs> Disneyland, Paris, while you're in Europe, uh, really just know where you want to go and then step back so that you can figure out what you need to do 
to get there. So we've done this hobby since uh, 2015 is when we first started collecting all of our points and miles. And our first trip in 2016 was two weeks in Europe. After that, in 2017, we spent a week in Hawaii and actually went to Alani uh, for part of that trip. In 2018, we went to Tokyo. Last year, we went to uh, Spain and went to a few different cities over there. And then this past spring, we went to Disneyland and then went over to Japan. So we're uh, so far, you know, four for four on, on trips. Uh, I'm not sure what, what COVID will do to 2021, but we'll see. We're definitely still working on our stockpile. Well, honestly, it's kind of a miracle that you were even able to go in 2020. So you have to tell us about that. Yeah, we cut it really, really, really close to the wire. Um, luckily we both have very supportive, um, professional, our work environments are very supportive of, uh, our travels and we tend to plan really far in advance. So we don't, you know, it's not just, Oh, Hey, next month I'm going to go to Tokyo for a week. It's next, you know, nine, 10 months from now, I'm going to go to Japan. So, you know, just heads up. So we've got really supportive work environments, um, and had planned really far ahead. And then, you know, as far as COVID goes, we traveled in late February. We left towards the end of February and we came back toward the middle of March. And by the time we had come back, there were already cases in Nashville, uh, where we're from. Um, so I joke that, you know, we're not the ones that brought it back <laughs> to Tennessee. <laughs> um, but we did quarantine for two weeks and we knew that going a week into our trip, the, the first cases here started popping up and we'd both talk to our offices and they say, how, you know, how do you feel about staying home for two weeks? Uh, but it really was, it was interesting being over there. Uh, Japan felt very safe the entire time. They closed down very quickly and very uh, proactively over there. So they had, you know, they had obviously been dealing with the, uh, diamond princess cruise ship while, uh, before we left, but it seemed that all their cases were isolated to that, um, that cruise ship at the time. And there were very few cases being found actually in Tokyo or in the rest of Japan. Uh, and they were just, they were really proactive. So we felt safe the whole time wearing a mask in Asia is extremely common and has been done for a very, very long time. And so there were just, there was a lot of, uh, preexisting, you know, consideration of other people and a lot of commitment to, to mask wearing and to, uh, you know, limiting interactions such as schools and museums and theme parks that went on very early that I think, you know, enabled them to be where they are now. I'm sure that will be, I know your trip went differently than you planned it, but at least you got to go and you will have stories forever, I think. And I still can't believe that March actually happened this year. That feels like <laughs> forever ago because that we were in Disney like the week before Disney shut down and yeah. I still can't wrap my mind around that that was actually like six months ago. Yeah. Less than six months ago. Yeah. It's so hard to believe it's, I mean, I ran in, uh, I ran the half marathon marathon weekend. So we kind of had 
the front end of our year was really jam packed with trips. We went to, um, went to Orlando. We were down there for four or five days and I ran a half marathon. And then the very next month we were leaving to go to Disneyland for our very first time there and then going to Japan. And so it felt like all of our travel got kind of jammed at the front of the year, which looking back, I'm like, I couldn't have planned that even better if I had known that this was going to happen. And so we feel really super, super lucky. Uh, and I'm just glad that I didn't, I didn't, I'm glad I didn't delay last year when I decided to run a half marathon and say, Oh, well, I'll do wine and dine in 2020. I'm really glad I chose the one that I did because it, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. You could have been like us. You could have waited till the middle of the year to plan a cruise, two cruises actually that we yeah. canceled <laughs> oh, no. and move. So I think, I think you planned it well, yeah. um, but I'm sure we'll come back to the Tokyo stuff and the Disneyland stuff in the second half of the episode, but we will want to learn about what is your Disney story? What kicked it off? How did it get started and how has it grown over time? Yeah. So I grew up in Florida and when I, it's funny when I talk to people now, oh, Gosh, I'm so sorry. I just knocked something over underneath my husband's desk. Um, hopefully <laughs> no that worries. was not... I mean, it was literally like a bowling pin. Um, <laughs> um, so, so my Disney story started when I was really young. I grew up in Florida and my dad loved going to Disney World. So he really made it a point to visit every year. So we went on a trip every year. Uh, when I was growing up and a couple times we went twice, but I really grew up with that kind of childhood magic, Disney going to see the characters and, and that kind of ultimate parental patience of <laughs> getting to go to a theme park and your parent will just wait in the line and get you the Mickey ice cream and you get to meet all the princesses. And, you know, it was just, looking back on it, it's kind of like all my memories kind of have this little bit of like dreamlike fuzziness to them. And I kind of go, was that seriously my like experience? Was that, was it really that great? Um, because I grew up really poor and, and so there wasn't a lot left for those kinds of trips, but it was just a priority that my dad and my mom had that we would go every year and we'd spend a week down there. And, you know, it was back when, uh, Pleasure Island and everything still existed in downtown Disney. So, you know, I would have a sitter a couple nights and they would go have their fun. And, uh, I think it was just this really great kind of escape for all of us. And then after our trips, my dad would blow up all of our, all of the photos of me with all the characters into eight by tens. So my entire childhood room, all the walls were covered with me with characters. Oh, that is awesome. First off, I want to talk about the kids of today are completely robbed of the experience of walking through Pleasure Island <laughs> in the after hours area. Nothing <laughs> felt like more dangerous than that. But I have like distinct memories of doing that as a child. I don't think I ever got I was like Lauren. My parents were like, you get to stay home with Nana. Peace out. I don't think I ever got to do that. Yeah, I don't remember really. I don't think they ever took me down there, which I'm kind of bummed about it now because I would love if the Adventurers Club still existed. And 
And I need to ask, like I need to ask my mom if they ever went to the Adventurers Club, but I know they went to Pleasure Island and had tons and tons of fun there. But I think I, my cousin, I think was in school at UCF at the time. And so I think they took full advantage of, you know, my cousin's <laughs> going to come over to, uh, I think we would usually stay at like Port Orleans. Um, when it used to, it actually used to be called like Dixie Landings. And that's where we stayed a few times and she would you know, come babysit me for the evening while they went out and had their fun. I just remember one distinct moment where I think we just had to cut through, like my parents didn't want to visit anywhere. For some reason, we just had to cut through a portion of it. So it was like right where Raglan Road is, which was completely different back then. But in that area, I had to walk technically into the Pleasure Island part and they had the stand-up sign saying nobody under 21 past this point. And it was... It was risky business. <laughs> that sounds I'll never great. get that thrill. Yeah. Back. No. No. <laughs> so talking about, you know, how did that follow you into adulthood? Was there, you know, a moment where it didn't stick with you for as long and you came back to it or is it stuck with you all throughout? And then how did that lead into Lauren builds? So I think it faded off for a while where I was just busy with school and college and we didn't really go while I was in college. And so it kind of faded off a little bit there, but I always, I always still love the movies I had, you know, I still took my, like one of those DVD players that also had the VHS connected to it. So I took all my Disney movies to college and would have them on, you know, just in the background as I was doing all kinds of stuff. So it was always there, uh, but it didn't lean into it as far as it being something that I really love. And that's part of, you know, part of what I do every day. And, and I really didn't do that until kind of the past, this past few years. And uh, since I got into 3d printing and found that there was a whole shop community of other people who love Disney and have a, you know, small shop around it and have a whole community about sharing their experiences and what they love and what they're going to go do and, and really making friends. Like I've made wonderful friends that also have small shops and also do 3d printing. And, and that's, you know, other than it being about Disney, that's kind of the, the greatest part about it is that I have all these wonderful connections now. Well, I, and I think that is so valuable and, and I'm so happy that you did that. So Lauren builds and, and what was the inception of it? What was the initial conversation that got off the ground? Was it 3d printing first? And if so, how did you get into 3d printing? So you can fully blame my husband for why I'm into 3d printing now. Um, we bought our house in gosh, 2013, I think. And it needed some work. And eventually we kind of ran out of things to, to do on our house that needed to be done. And it, it also gets, you know, the more things you do to a house, the more expensive it gets. And it can be, you know, it can accumulate as a hobby. And, uh, he, I think he was hoping for something smaller scale, maybe a little bit. And he knew I liked making things and crafting and that I loved, um, you know, designing things. And he said, you know, you should check out 3d printing. I think it sounds right up your alley. I think you would really like it. I think it's really awesome. I think you could have a lot of fun with it. You should look into this. Cause I think there's something here that you would really connect with. 
And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. I'll look at it. And then I looked into it and I was totally hooked. And then it was a matter of just figuring out what kind of printer I was going to buy, when I was going to get it, how was it going to be delivered? How much did it cost? (laughs) You know, and everything from there. So we finally ordered I finally decided on two printers made by a company called Prusa, which is in the Czech Republic. And they make really great high quality 3D printers. And and so we ordered two of them. And then I sat on my hands for three months while I waited for them to arrive. (laughs) So it was kind of one of those like all excited about my new hobby. And then I click buy on the website and then, you know, wait on UPS for three months. and so I was so excited when they finally arrived. And I wasn't sure about originally doing uh, kind of Disney designs at first. That kind of I, that kind of came along after I'd gotten comfortable with printing and with the machines and dealing with them when they break and and really kind of when I came, became more confident with what I was making was when I started to really go after something that I that really held a lot more value for me personally. So when you first got the machine, I mean, what did that look like as far as, you know, trial and error and just even trying to figure something so new out? Because I have, you know, tried to scratch like the creative itch and I just got like a cricket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just yeah. very basic. So how do you even go about like a big piece of machinery like that? Um you just kind of got to, you got to go for it. You got to really, I mean, there are so many, the community is really great. The customer service with most of the 3d printing companies and the online community, just 3d printing wise, not even, not even Disney wise, um, is very, very helpful. There are tons of, tons of online resources. And so it was really great to know that any question I had or any problem I had, there were other people out there that were willing to help me. And, but the other part of it was, you know, I mean, if you buy a 3d printer, it's, it's not a matter of if it's eventually going to break, it's a matter of when, and also 99% of the time, it's probably your fault. (laughs) And so there's a, there's a big piece there that is really about growing your personal grit in coping with adversity and coping with stress and coping with having to fix something and having to figure it out and knowing that these very expensive machines that you've bought are now completely your responsibility. And um, I mean, I don't have kids yet, but I, I do consider them kind of, you know, your baby. Like I wake up at night sometimes and I hear a sound and I'm like, Oh, is the printer making a sound? Do I need to go do something? And then I realized (laughs) it wasn't even printing anything. You know, you'll hear this like phantom beep and it's like, Oh, run upstairs and check on it. Uh, So it's really just a matter of trial and error and just you, everything that breaks can be fixed no matter what Uh, in 3d printing and in life, (laughs) there's never, (laughs) never a time when it's going to be so broken that it's completely you know, unsalvageable. Uh, you might have to have some spare parts on hand, but there's always a way to fix it. Well, I think that is something that everyone needs to hear for sure. And especially, you know, coming from that kind of creative standpoint, like starting out, I mean, I can imagine that's just very hard, very frustrating. And it's great to have that community, but I really liked what you said about like, you also have to depend on yourself. Like you have to find it within yourself to problem solve and to find that grit. And 
that by no means is easy. I mean, I'm sure there were so many times where you decided or wanted to decide that you were just going to give up. So what kind of kept you going when you wanted to just give up? I think, you know, and there were definitely those times. There were definitely the times when I had broken something or something didn't stick to the print bed and it stuck to, you know, so when you're 3D printing, you have plastic and I kind of describe it like your thread in a sewing machine. And, you know, if the needle were, you know, something that were a piece of metal that got really hot, you know, 400 degrees Fahrenheit and melted you know, your th- it's like melting your thread and then gradually laying it down in a very precise motion at a very precise pressure so that it sticks to the bed. And, and if something doesn't stick to the bed, it's going to stick to that hot end and it will, you know, it'll look like your entire end of your 3D printer is coated in, you know, like a toasted marshmallow. It'll be all melted, covered in melted plastic. And at that point it's, you know, you've got a start from scratch on a bunch of those parts and rebuild it. And it's one of the worst feelings I think I felt, you know, dealing with a business or with a hobby as far as, you know, that pit in your stomach, like, Oh my gosh, I've just ruined this. What am I going to do? This is so hard. And then when you finally just take the time to breathe and just, you know, take as much time as you need to fix it. It's one of the most gratifying things you can experience. And I, and I think that's, you know, the same process you would deal with, with anything that's really, really hard. You know, part of why it feels so difficult is because you care about it so much. And so when you finally are able to repair the machine and get it back up and running again, it's all that much more meaningful to you. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. And so whenever you first started, what were some of the first things that you built using the printer? And then how did you graduate and decide on ears? So I first started out making cookie cutters and just kind of random designs, some pop culture designs, some designs for other uh, shows. And, And there actually are kind of I would say like remnants of those early efforts still floating around the internet. Um, I do have, I have some things that I just have kind of running listings on eBay that are not necessarily associated with my business um, as far as like my brand now, but they're out there because they're designs that I don't want to have go to waste. And so once in a while I'll get a sale from those. And that's really, that's really fun to see that someone found it and liked it. And, but I eventually kind of graduated to Disney because it's something that I always have enjoyed. And when I found that there was a market for ears, I thought, well, that's something I absolutely want to do because that's something that you can have kind of an endless, you know, there's an endless source of creativity there as far as, you know, there are things that I would want to make. There are things that, you know, everyone has different ideas. So there's this constantly evolving market for ears where someone's always going to come up with something new and creative and different. And you can play around uh, that. They're kind of fans of the ear community that are always pushing you to come up with something new and different. And, and I just find that really, really exciting. And plus it's also, there's the, there's kind of the uh, 
the push, uh, I find that designing an ear and having the limited space and also the limits of what you can wear on your head, I find that that pushes me to be really creative with where I put color and where I put a shape and where I put, you know, I have to use the space very efficiently. You have to be really, you have to, you know, you have to be really creative with how you're using it because someone's got to be able to wear this on their head in a park. They got to be able to walk around in it. Um, Cause if they can't wear it, then there's no point. <laughs> that's so funny. That's something that I never even would have thought of, I guess, but that's very <laughs> sensible. <laughs> did you, did either of you see the picture of the guy in the opening day of magic kingdom at cast member previews and he had the gigantic Cinderella castle on his head. That's all I'm thinking about <laughs> in this film. Uh, we'll have to find this picture and put it up when this episode yeah, I comes see out. That. It was like, it was like three feet tall on top of his head. It was, it was That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So how do you come up with new ideas or how do you find inspiration? Uh, so the really cool thing about the 3d printing ear community, and at least, you know, the people that the other shops that I'm friends with, we all kind of, we, we really are really, we're very careful not to kind of step on each other's toes and make something that someone else already makes now. And there, there are things that everyone makes. There are open ears, there are castles, there are tangled suns, those things, there are snowflakes, you know, those are really kind of free for all, very, very common. But if you're going to make something specific or you're going to do a certain kind of thing from a movie. Um, I've got really close friends now in the community that we all, once we have an idea, it kind of pushes the next person to come up with something different so that we're not all making the same thing, that it actually breeds creativity. Well, and I think that approach is valuable as well, because if someone reaches out to you and said, Hey, I'm looking for an Alice in Wonderland pair of ears or whatever you might have somebody that you're close with in the community that you could send their way yeah. and vice versa as well so i think that is such a healthy approach that you know we all know that not all communities are like that oh for mm -hmm. sure and i'm so thankful that this this community and the people that i've become friends with the other shops are are like that like we will tag each other if someone asks you know oh do you make you know, a such and such ear? Do you make a Chewbacca ear or do you make, you know, a, a tangled ear? Do you make this ear or that? No, I don't, but you could get it from, you know, this friend of mine or that friend of mine and, and we'll tag each other and we'll end up, you know, with customers because these people want great ears. Um, I do have people that are repeat customers and I'm, I'm so thankful for them because that really shows that I've made something that they really connect with. But but I would never, you know, if I know that someone makes something great, I'm not going to keep that from a customer and say, you know, you know, I don't know about that or something. And so it, cause it, what it really does is it pushes us to kind of push the limits of 3d printing. It pushes the limits of the materials we're using. It pushes the limits of, you know, kind of, do you want to be really literal with your ears or do you want to be more alluding to a theme or a pattern or something that's a little more niche? And, and I, th I think that that's a really healthy part of the community. So I know there's so many people out there who 
have always thought about starting a small shop. I think it's something that is very easy to say, but it is hard to get off the ground and get everything in place to be able to get it done. So whenever you decided to start setting everything up, how did you make those decisions? Like you're on Shopify and and you have your own domain instead of being on Etsy and you know how you decide to list items, those decisions, what led you to, to setting it up in this way? So I think that, you know, eventually Etsy, Etsy just wasn't the right fit for me because of kind of the fee structure and, um, just the way that they, the way that listings are promoted and whatnot. It doesn't mean that it's not the right platform for everyone else. And I actually do still keep kind of some of my more basic designs over on Etsy, um, just to keep that shop open and active. Uh, cause I would like to have, you know, I want people to be able to find me if they're looking for ears and that still is an option, but I tend to focus more on my Shopify store now. And that's been a great fit. It definitely, there's, there's a learning curve to getting used to Shopify, but it allows you to insert your own code and insert your own kind of listing structures. And I've started exploring that more recently. And I find that to be really appealing because it allows me to do some different things with the way that listings are customized and the way that uh, different, you know, buyers can order things. Yeah. So how has that, you know, when we think about Etsy, typically what we hear is a lot of people choose maybe Etsy over something like Shopify because it kind of has like that built-in market or that built-in, you know, traffic, traffic. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. Yes. So how, you know, if you're on Shopify and send, and if that's the platform that you prefer, you know, how has that changed kind of how you reach new customers? So most of my customers are people who find me on Instagram. And I find that if they're willing to connect on Instagram and I can have that kind of more direct connection with them and I can answer their questions really quickly and, and, you have the the benefit of posting stories. You have that new reels thing that came out recently. I don't, I haven't even looked at that yet, but you just have that really personal connection with your buyer that I think then, you know, uh, furthers the point with them that you're a real person who's making something that you love versus, you know, someone that's trying to just throw something out there on a platform like Etsy, which works for a lot of people. But I find that I'm more able to connect with my buyers on that personal level about what they need, what they're looking for. They can quickly see everything I have and then they can go directly to my site. And I think it also shows them that the effort that I've put into building my brand and building the website that I've, I've done it all myself and I've worked on it and they can know, you know, from start to finish it's me. That is such a refreshing answer because (laughs) a lot of times I think you hear this discussion and we do not have a shop. Obviously I don't know if we'll ever be able to have a shop. We're just not disciplined enough to to get our (laughs) stuff. We're creative enough. (laughs) There's a lot of boxes we don't tick. Um, But you know, a lot of the times you'll hear the discussion, well, I want to use Etsy because I don't want to have to rely on social media. Mm -hmm. But you've taken the approach that 
I am going to rely on social media, that I'm going to lean heavily into that and build those relationships and, and use it to the best of our, uh, to the best of your ability. And I think that is a very strong approach. And I think that's a very uh, sustainable approach as well, because then you're not at the mercy of fees or you're not at the mercy of how many promoted listings that you want to pay for on Etsy. You're in control of it really from start to finish of that customer and uh, shop relationship. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I don't, I don't know if a lot of people really think about that when they're starting a shop. You know, there there are people who start a shop and it happens to be this awesome idea and it it catches on and, you know, is immediately viral and they've got thousands of sales in a couple months. And that's really rare. Uh, my shop is, you know, I would say it's existed for three years. It's really focused on ears, probably for about two, two and a half years, two, two and a half years. (laughs) And so, and and there's a direct correlation between how much effort I put in and how well the shop does. And, and I value it so much because I can see that direct return versus if I were kind of buried in another platform relying on only someone randomly coming across my listing, well, they don't have a connection to me. They don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing or why it's special or different or unique. And, and there's not that, that strong buy-in from, you know, they can't see that I'm fully invested. So, you know, why should they buy something from me? Well, and I think that's really encouraging too for others to hear is just that, you know, you can see the amount of effort, you know, equate to, you know, the relationships that you've built and the success that you've had um, and that, you know, it is possible, you know, that it can be done. Because I think that's probably just the most intimidating thing for a lot of people is, you know, Etsy makes it look so easy. Shopify, obviously, you know, you're in control. But again, if you're in control, that's so scary. So I think that's just very encouraging to hear. Yeah. And I think I think it just makes it a lot more realistic as far as you can understand the expectation that you have um, or have an idea of how much work does it take to actually make, you know, make these sales? How much work does it take to get my website to look the way I want it to? And, and if you've got a really busy month, personally, if you've got a busy work month or a busy family month, you can, can slow down and with Instagram and, and being present there or just present on social media in general, your buyers can know, Hey, this is going on with me. So orders are going to be delayed right now. You know, earlier this year with COVID, I was 3D printing face shields uh, and donating them around the country. I sent, you know, face shields all over the country to uh, some different organizations that were collecting them from people who were 3D printing all over the US. Uh, with my work, I actually was able to through an organization that I'm a part of through my job, I was able to specifically get out shields to providers that work in my field that needed them. And when, when they weren't able to get, you know, get enough PPE for their, um, for their staff in their office. And so I was able to immediately, you know, show my, my followers on Instagram, 
here's what's going on. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what the situation is. Here's how, here's how you can help. You can support my shop and that helps me buy more filament so that I can print shields and send them out for free. Um, here's, you know, here's why I can't get ears out so quickly. And there was even earlier this year, there was a a shortage on filament and there's, there's actually still some filaments. It's hard to get, um, now. So there are certain colors that it's difficult to get right now. There are certain materials that are difficult to buy just because of the supply. Um, you know, there were companies that manufacture filament in the U S that had to close down their operations. And so they weren't manufacturing filament for 3d printing. And then there were also, you know, companies that couldn't ship it out. And then there was also, you know, a lot of people 3d printing who were just trying to buy up as much as they could so that they could print face shields. And so even now there is, it's better than it was a month or two ago, but there is still a little bit of a lag and delay with getting certain materials and certain colors. And we never would have known that if, (laughs) if you didn't have that voice on social media. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that is so valuable and a key aspect of something that someone needs to look like if they're going down this path of it all plays into this equation of how you set things up, but also you're never stuck in one place. You can always make changes and figure out where you want to go from there. But next, I want to have a discussion and revisit a conversation that we had on Instagram over the past week because you were speaking our language. <laughs> we only went back and forth a couple of times. I was like, whoa, 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 stop. <laughs> we have to have this conversation on the podcast because I think it's so valuable for people to hear. And it was all centered around, you know, for a long time, I had this passion for Disney and I was listening to Disney podcasts all day long at work. I was probably, my productivity probably sucked, but <laughs> whatever, besides the point. And, you know, I slowly started to... Uh, discuss it more and dip my toes into this creative space and using uh, it as a catalyst to have these conversations outwardly instead of inwardly just between Catherine and I. And you kind of said that you had had a similar experience. So I would love it if you could share that with our listeners because I think so many people will relate. Yeah. So I think you had, you had been talking about exactly that on Instagram and And so I messaged you because I recently bought the Space Mountain cookie jar from Shop Disney because they had sold out for a while and I'd kept looking at it and I was absolutely not going to buy one off eBay for, you know, $200 or whatever it was. Uh, But I loved it. uh, Space Mountain is, I I think it's probably my favorite ride and the cookie jar is just awesome. I love the mug, but it looks too difficult to drink out of. And so, <laughs> so I bought the cookie jar on Shop Disney and it came a couple of weeks ago. And my husband and I put it on our um, bookcases in our living room. And he, he just finally said, you know, did you always like, did you always like Disney this much? Was it always like this? And cause he's a hundred percent supportive of it. And I said, well, yeah, because I mean, it had always been there it, ever since I was a kid. I've always loved Disney and it's just part of, you know, it's part of growing up. It's, it's, it's always been part of my life. And I think I just never had a community where I felt comfortable talking about it as much as I do and really embracing it like I do now. And that's what 3D printing and having my shop has enabled me to do. 
is that it's opened that world to having every, you know, all of these other people on the internet who love all the same things I do that have all kinds of different opinions that are creative with, with how they embrace it. And, and it really kind of gave me that confidence to just really be myself and, and talk about it more and interact with it more in my daily life and, you know, plan more trips to go (laughs) and, uh, and have more Disney, you know, in my house even. So it's, it's really kind of, I would say freeing. I don't think I ever hit it before, but I just didn't, I didn't kind of nurture that part of myself. Yeah. And, and kind of where my standpoint comes from this and, and why I'm so passionate about having these conversations is for the longest time, like I'll never forget my first job out of college, pretty small office, uh, pretty horrible job. <laughs> it, it was uh, outbound sales lead generation. So if anybody does that, God bless you. Uh, cold calling all day long. But anyway, so it being in sales, I'm introverted. Mm-hmm. So I'm dealing with a lot of extroverted, I hate to say this, but like beat my chest. Like <laughs> I, I sold X packages of software today. Like, you know, very, I don't know, like macho men kind of guy, <laughs> I guess you would say. And I was mortified the first time that they found out that Catherine and I were going to Disney on a vacation. And we had probably went three or four times over the time that I was working. So many times. Yeah. And, and that's like right after that, once we got back and, and we had these conversations that say, Oh, like Catherine really just likes it. Like I, I go down there to, to please Catherine, you know, (laughs) really makes her happy. I'm just trying to be a good husband. Well, then finally you get further along the line and I'm listening to Disney podcasts all the day. I did uh, all, and I decide, you know, I want to start a Disney podcast and I start doing that. And the switch in self-confidence and the switch in being able to just say like, yeah, I'm going to Disney again. Yeah. I went two months ago. Like, this is what we enjoy. Did you know they do star Wars? Did you know they do more <laughs> than just Mickey mouse? Do you know they have a food and wine festival? All these kinds of stuff. And it was freeing is the word that I always think about as well. And to me, it, it made me so much more self-confident. And then you, then you hear them, you know, they come to your office and say, Hey, like I do have a son and he wants to go to Disney. Mm-hmm. So can you give me some tips? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, absolutely. Sit down. Let's have this conversation. But I think there's so many people who try to separate it out of keeping it out of their professional life or keeping it out of their friend group, I know has been something for us as well. But I do think if you just embrace it, there is so much value that you can add to your life and your mood and your mental health in that aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just, it, it just totally opened up this whole other part of myself that just got to have fun for the sake of having fun. And it's, it's an awesome and supportive community. And there are so many different facets to it. You know, it's not just, you know, Mickey's great, but it's so much more than that. And, uh, this past January, when I did the half marathon, it was actually around the time that my, my dad had passed away the year before in January. And so it was something that a, I knew I love Disney. So I have 
some, you know, it'd be great to have something awesome to look forward to. And then B, I also had something that I trained for every week for months and months and months, which, you know, exercises one of the best things that you can do for your brain. And so it really helped me kind of get through that year. And then it culminated with, instead of that being this kind of sad part of the year or this hard part of the year, I had this whole new accomplishment in, in one of my favorite places that, that capped off that, that, you know, time for me and really, you know, just helped so much. It's interesting. I haven't interacted with them much and I hope they listen to the podcast because that'll be fun. Because I'd love to have a conversation. But I saw someone on Instagram the other day followed us and and we followed them back and their handle was Disney is our cure. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't know what context they're using that in. However, it is. I mean, so many people use it for that. And it is therapeutic and it is, you know, so much more than Riding Space Mountain, even though we all love that, there's more to it than that in within the broader community. And I think we all just need to be reminded sometimes that that it's okay to like it and it's okay to use it in that way. Yeah. It's 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 okay to be yourself, you know. It's part of, you know, having having a hobby, enjoying something fun. It's, you know, it's part of the the slice, you know. I tell tell people sometimes you've got your your work slice and your relationship slice and your hobby slice and you know, your just spiritual slice and and everything else. And, you know, all those slices are always kind of competing for room, you know, in your day to day. And so, you know what's wrong with having something like this that you make time for, uh, for yourself. For sure. Yeah. I love that mindset. I think that's super valuable. I think it's something that everyone here can relate to for sure. So I think with that, I mean, that was a great first half of the episode. We are ready now to move on to our fast pass round. So we're going to take a quick minute so you can hear a message from our partners and then we'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Tailwind. Today is actually Catherine's first day back at school with students, so time is more valuable now than ever. Having a tool like Tailwind so we can go in there, schedule our post, and have it done for the rest of the week is so valuable for us. If you think that's something that would help you and your schedule as well to make sure you're still sharing your message throughout the week on those busy days and you don't have to worry about it as much, head to detourtoneverland.com slash tailwind. Again, that's detourtoneverland.com slash tailwind or hit the link in our show notes. And we're back. <laughs> so are you ready for the fast pass around? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Go so, for it. So the Keep first the one is <laughs> what is your favorite Disney meal? Oh my gosh. Favorite Disney meal. Sit down meal, quick service. What? All of the above. Oh my goodness. Um, well, just one meal, but okay. it could be any category. Yeah. So I'm going to be kind of basic right now and go with, I want to say, I want to say this was one of my favorite meals from this past January. Although I've had lots of great meals at Disney. Um, and I was about to say, I was, you know, I really want to say the Ronto wrap from Galaxy's Edge, that that is a total, total surprise, way better than I thought it was going to be. It was awesome. And the very next day after I had it, I was like, 
can we just go get one of those again? Like that was so <laughs> good. Um, but we totally, when we went to Disneyland in February, we got the fried chicken at the plaza at the end of the evening. Like it was like, you know, we're in road space mountain. And then it was kind of toward the end of the evening. We're going to go back to the hotel late, kind of a little bit of a late dinner, which I mean, late dinner, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, you know, Put you, you can't go wrong. Really, yeah. it was seriously a risk of like, are we going to wake up in time for our flight tomorrow? Um, <laughs> so we totally got that. It was awesome. I couldn't believe it. It was so, so, so good. Um, and so I think that might be my current favorite meal. Cause we then, as we were walking out of the park, capped it off with ice cream from Gibson girl. And I don't know how you can beat that. Just walking out of Disneyland end of a long day fried chicken, you know, dreams were made. I know fried chicken and ice cream. That is the perfect day. Honestly, Plaza was so good. We went twice on our Disneyland <laughs> trip. I, I don't blame you. I don't because I actually had bad fried chicken at Disney World in January. Um, also in Galaxy's Edge. So, um, yeah, Plaza totally made up for that. Mm. You know, coming from like being in Nashville, you know when it's good. I feel like. You just have a, a taste for it. Oh yeah, definitely. We totally had hot chicken last week. <laughs> so I'm very jealous right now. <laughs> Do you need to depart from the episode, Catherine? I might need to go cry in the corner. I miss it so much. <laughs> so the next question would be, if you could pick one Disney character, who would you want to spend the day with? Oh, I think I would want to spend the day with my, f- I think my favorite character, Ahsoka Tano. Ooh, that's a good one. I think she would be awesome to hang out with for the day. I could get behind that. Surely yeah. she's going to get more representation in the parks. I really, oh man, I really hope so. I mean, they can't just bring her out and just have her be so awesome. And then, you know, they just had the last season of Clone Wars. So she's out there. She's out there somewhere. I don't know the answer to this. I'm curious if you do. Can you buy? I know they have the replica lightsabers in Galaxy's Edge, not at Savi's, but in Doc Ondor's. Do they have hers in there? I don't know. That's really, I don't remember because you'd have to get the, the double. Yeah. But technically, well, I don't know. Spoilers. She, she left them. So. You know, she buried them or dropped them in the sand and Annie, Anakin found them or Darth yeah, Vader. So, curious. so I don't know. Cause they were really quick with bringing out the, the yellow lightsaber for, for Ray. <laughs> yeah. They did not miss an you opportunity. Got, yeah. You got to capitalize on oh, that man. little pot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. I don't know. When's the next time we're going to get to Hollywood studios? Probably like Probably October. Never. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. Next one is your favorite beverage could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic in Disney. So my favorite beverage is right now it's the Nautilus at Trader Sam's. Do you get the souvenir mug? Yes. Yes. There there (laughs) is. There's one on our bookcase right now. Um, Yeah, it's, 
It's so good. And, and, you know, it's a slow, it's supposed, you know, it's for two people. So, you know, if over the course of the night you end up with more than one Nautilus, they make great gifts. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So kind of sticking with that same theme, where would you want to take Walt for a drink? I think, yeah, I think it would be Trader Sam's. And I, I think it's because it ties in. I think, I think it's such a great, uh, representation. I want to, I started to say culmination, but I, I think it's more just a representation of what he wanted the parks to be, you know, the, the, the level of imagineering, the level of story, the, you know, how everything is connected to something else. Everything in there came from somewhere for some reason. I think it's, I think it's exactly what he would want. You know, it's a very kind of plussed up and plussed up and plussed up, you know, on top of itself, uh, bar. And so I think he would, I think he would really, really like it. Um, it's just, yeah. I mean, I got to go I, for the first time in January and my husband kind of had no idea what we were getting into. I was like, we're leaving <laughs> magic kingdom. It's okay. We're going to miss the fireworks. Like we got to beat the crowd. Cause it's going to take two hours to get into this bar and we're just going to, we're going to do it. We're going to wait. And it was awesome. So it sounds like you're sitting inside with Walt at Trader Sam's get the full experience. Yeah. yeah you know, sitting inside at Trader Sam's. Um, I've not been to the one at Disney in the Disneyland hotel. I've only been to the one in the Polynesian, but I think, I think it would be just so great to, you know, hang out with Walt, grab a drink and just to see him kind of wander through the bar and kind of get the story and, and really kind of just, you know, I just imagine like the look on his face of like, they did what, you know, and where this? <laughs> how and holy cow. And the, this, you know, the seat sinks and there's, you know, the drinks have actions behind them, you know, stuff happens. Um, I, I think it would just, I think you'd find it. I would hope that he would find it fascinating. I think so. I think you would. Yeah, for sure. So next one, we could be on a theme here. I'm interested in your answer. <laughs> your favorite Disney resort, not necessarily one that you've stayed at. So, um, yeah, I think my favorite Disney, I haven't stayed at the Polynesian, but I would argue that it would probably be my favorite. Although I have seen photos of the rooms and not quite what I would hope they would be. Um, although bungalow. You know, could do one of those. Um, although I've not figured out a way to do that on points yet. So to, to be continued there. Um, but favorite resort I've actually stayed in, Grand Destino. That is amazing. Hands down was just a fabulous. I can't believe it's a moderate resort. It's incredible value. The rooms were awesome. The um, rooftop bar, fantastic. And just you know, the view of looking out and the water and, and seeing all of the other parts of the resort. It's, it's just beautiful. We've said that the day that the NBA moves out, we're going the very next day in. to Toledo. <laughs> yeah. We've got to go to Toledo and we got to go to the rooftop bar Oh, I've, in the, in the three bridges bar. We've never been there either. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
yeah, give it, connect the Skyliner. And I don't know if I would ever stay anywhere else. Mm. So we need a hashtag move out LeBron. (laughs) You're in our happy place. Get out. Okay. So this next one, I don't know. It's a toss up between if it's easy or hard, but you have Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. You can only keep three. One has to go. So which one has to go? Oh no. This is so hard. This is so Disney stays, obviously. Um, Star Wars stays. And then it really comes down to Pixar or Marvel. And and I would have to say Pixar stays. Marvel, Marvel goes, which is really I love. I love Spider-Man. Tom Highland is amazing. I feel like me having to say that Marvel goes right now is like my version of like turning Tom Holland to dust, you know, like <laughs> if, if that's like how that had to happen, you know, he's like floating away, but I need to insert uh, I don't feel good. Mr. Stark. I <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but I, and I think it comes down to just, you know, growing up with Pixar and seeing that progression, having those characters, there's, there's a more of a, so I would say more of like a, a heart connection there, you know, like a, like they are, you know, I feel, I feel more connected to that, that, um, that part of, you know, the company than, than Marvel. And I don't know if that's because Marvel, you know, that, they acquired them later. I don't know if it's because, you know, if you kept Marvel, they're really not a part of, you know, Walt Disney World. There's not there's not the option of like having them really be a part of the parks um, in Orlando, which I get they can, you know, because of the deal with the, you know, with the, the rights as far as theme parks. And so it doesn't I don't have that connection with it um, like I do the others. Yeah, I I don't know if I could answer it honestly, but good thing I'm not on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean it's it's really hard. <laughs> Next is your favorite villain. Ooh, favorite villain. I think so. Loki's still a villain, right? Like we was. Oh still, yeah, yeah. Debatable. I th- you know, I he kind of walks the line. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a good heart. <laughs> and we named I, our dog after him, Catherine. <laughs> so Loki, that, that would be think, your choice. Yeah, I think Loki um, or yeah, as far as like, can I choose a live action and an animated? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think I think my animated would be. um, um Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of his name right now. Hades. Hades. Um and I think I think he would be my animated villain. That would be my favorite. I think it's just cuz he's got that sarcastic humorous you know side. And I think Pain and Panic. Mhm. They they're like the perfect villain sidekicks. Mhm. So that's he's up there on our list for sure. So the last question for the fast pass round, 
What is your favorite attraction in Magic Kingdom? Oh, favorite, favorite attraction in Magic Kingdom. So I say, actually, I totally said this earlier, Space Mountain. I started to debate with myself for a second and no, Space Mountain for sure. Um, it's the, you know, I love, I love space. I love, um, you know, grow up in Florida, you have, you know, NASA launches and there's that, that history there. And, um, I find space and, and just, you know, future, like that we'll be able to travel to space one day. Um, you know, maybe commercially, maybe, maybe I could use points on, on traveling to, to, <laughs> you know, the moon or something. Um, but I just find that really awesome and kind of just this, you know, never ending frontier and, and just, so that's like the space side of it that I like. And then the coaster side is obviously, you know, who can't enjoy that. Um, and it's, you know, fast and loud and in the dark and kind of, I feel like it's always kind of cool in there. Um, and so that's just like constant favorite. So here's the ultimate Space Mountain fan question. <laughs> Disneyland or Disney or Magic Kingdom version? Oh my gosh, I totally was almost about to say, you know, but do you choose the single or the double <laughs> seat? Um, so it's interesting because I have been the the one in Tokyo also has the double seat. I, I'm pretty sure like, yeah, it does like um, California and but it's a little more updated because it was built later on. So it's hard because I'm so used to the seat in Orlando that hmm, I feel like I would have to say Orlando because I feel like it's such a, it's a more personal experience, not having someone next to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you're just floating out. Like in you're space you're by floating by yourself. Space. You're yeah. shooting off in the rocket ship. It's like dark. It's, you know, just how that might actually, you know, feel. Um, so I'd probably say Orlando, actually. I will go to my grave saying that Magic Kingdom is better. And it's solely <laughs> just based off the track. It drops more times. It's a yeah. better yeah. coaster. I think it feels wilder. Yeah because you're squeezed in. And I heard, I heard that like Shaq went on the Orlando space mountain at some point. And I'm like, how did you fit? So tall? <laughs> he did. Shaq did. I don't, now we need like Yao Ming or someone yeah, bigger. Someone bigger <laughs> limits. Yeah. We'll see. I, I mean, I, if I was Yao Ming, I would not sign up for that. So, <laughs> but who knows, but I can already tell I'm going to get, uh, Lauren, you might as well get messages from people sending you hate mail <laughs> about uh -oh. Disneyland um, Space Mountain because those people love it. But hey, they're just I will. I, I don't discriminate on Space Mountains. I just have to <laughs> love some more than others. That's a good way of putting it. So this has been so much fun and we appreciate you sharing more of your story and sharing more about your Disney fandom. So our very last thing for you is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give someone who's looking to jump into this community, 
maybe start a shop, maybe start a blog, whatever it might be. What would be your advice to that person? So I, I want to say the, the cliche thing, which is just, just start, you know, just start your business today. What are you waiting for? Um, but I think the, the real, the real answer is make a little bit of a budget and figure out what kind of money you're going to spend and don't be afraid to spend the money because starting a business is not free. Buying materials and supplies is not free. Paying for your website is not free. Um, you know, setting up your, your business is, is not free either. So you gotta be, be realistic. And and if you gotta save for a month or two to get started so that you can make it what you want and you can start off how you want, go for it, you know, start making the plan for how to do it now. So don't delay on that. I think that's fair. I think that's really good and very applicable for anyone looking to jump in. So Last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. So you can find me at my website, which is L. So the letter L builds.com. So L B U I L D S.com. And then I am most active on Instagram at my page is Lauren underscore builds. Perfect. So we will be sure to put both of those links into our show notes if you want to connect with Lauren. And of course, we just have to say it again. We are so happy that we made this work. It's been so much fun getting to know you and hear your story today. And we know our listeners are going to love it too. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so great. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.